Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, for weeks, I've told you to stick with this market throughout the turmoil, because by the time something good happens, it's already too late to swap back in at, a net, at the lower level. You won't get the lower level. And sure enough, today we got good news in the form of a strong rent labor report without a lot of wage inflation, a true Goldilocks set of numbers. So in response to Dow surge 71 points, the S&P soared 1.45 percent and the Nasdaq pulled water 1.07 percent. It was a real good day for the bulls. Bye, bye, bye. It's a Goldilocks situation anyway. Well, exactly like the fairy tale. It's where everything just kind of works out right. Now, I don't think that will only be true. But I do think that this labor report that we got this morning makes it more likely that the Federal Reserve will pause and ponder this next meeting rather than feeling the need to tighten again immediately. Of course, when you throw in a new stimulus package in China, along with a surprisingly easy passage of a debt ceiling deal in Washington, well, maybe you get a grace day. Maybe you get a grace week. But like I told you last night, this market has been entirely propped up by the Magnificent Seven, the seven mega cap tech stocks that accounted for the entire gain in the S&P 500 through May. That's what tied us over. Now that we put the debt ceiling in the rearview mirror and the Fed seeing data that allow them to pause the rate hikes, it's easy to imagine a near perfect scenario where a recession could be taken off the table, even as the Fed's done tightening. But remember, we liked the market when it was hated. I am starting to talk more negatively beginning on Monday as this market gets broader because I don't love a market where everybody's now coming around to our bullish way of thinking because the market is now broadening away from the Magnificent Seven. I liked it more yesterday than I do today because it's higher, and that's how you have to think. With that in mind, what's coming next week? Well, first, there's an OPEC meeting this weekend. It's called OPEC Plus. It's kind of like, you know, like all those different... Uh, like uh, HBO Plus, which is now Max, by the way. Anyway, this meeting could be very interesting, a wild card. They might hurt us with the production cuts bulge to the price of oil. But if so, I will most likely tell you to sell, as I will try to sell some oils for our trust, because I don't want to overstay our welcome in a very difficult group. Much more on that at the CNBC Investing Club meeting at 1020 Monday. Now, the big story Monday is the beginning of the Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. That's a showcase of products, ideas, and software updates. I think it is a fool's game to try to trade Apple, which hit a new 52-week high today and is now within two bucks of its all-time high, which is why I always tell you, just own it. More on that later. 
We also have two analyst meetings that are being held on the sidelines of the American Society of Clinical Oncology, or ASCO. It's an annual meeting that could capture some big news. First, there is Moderna. Right now, we had them one recently. That's a company that first cracked the COVID code, but it hasn't been able to find convincing footing ever, ever since dropping precipitously once the pandemic ended. Hey, maybe they got something up their sleeves. Maybe related to personalized cancer vaccines, which is something that I know they are working on. Stefan Bensel, smart guy. Then there's Merck's analyst meeting. Merck sold a drug uh, for, post inf- uh, for post-infection. They made a lot of money, and they're buying Prometheus Bio for nearly $11 billion to book up their autoimmune pipeline. That said, I think this meeting will mostly focus on their oncology products, and which are the best in the, bit, best in the breed. Okay, Remember, that's Keytruda. And there are a lot of different things that Keytruda is going to be revealed, I think, that can also conquer that we didn't even know they were a very profitable part of the franchise. Tuesday, JM Smuck reports. Now, this will be an important tell for the consumer packaged goods place. Smucker's been delivering, but its stock has stalled out lately because Wall Street's lost interest in the defenses. They only want the Magnificent Seven. If Smucker's good, the money might flow back into this now beleaguered group. And we got a bunch of important analyst meetings on Tuesday, too, including First Horizon and another ASCO-related event from Bristol Myers. First Horizon's a regional bank that got a raw deal not that long ago when regulators forced Toronto Dominion to back off from their takeover bid. First Horizon now trades about 11. TD is willing to pay $25 before the mini banking crisis. I think it's a strong buy here. You know I like it very much, and I would buy it ahead of the analyst meeting. I say that as someone who does not care for the regional banks. As for Bristol Myers, the departing CEO, Dr. Giovanni Cavario, was on with Kelly Evans today in a great interview, talking about his terrific anti-cancer franchise and what big pharma can get out of AI. The stock's been terrible, and it's down almost 9% for the year. But maybe we can see a broadening to pharma if Bristol Myers raises estimates at the meeting, or at least shows us it's got something new to get excited about. Now, if Smucker takes off on a good day, you know what? You might want to buy some Campbell's Soup, as many uh, as the company's doing much better than the stock's saying it is. And that's because CEO Mark Klaus has been executing a multi-year turnaround. He inherited a very difficult company. Campbell's down more than 10% from its high. I like the odds there. Next, the always controversial GameStop might tell a good story about an upgrade cycle coming thanks to products powered by NVIDIA. It'll be meaningful hype. But GameStop loves to wrap itself in any hot trend it can find because it's real business. Selling gamer stuff that's easier to buy online has gone ice cold. They're very good at hype. Hype per share. Excellent. Now, we have an analyst meeting uh, for Brinker. That owns the always popular, always packed, Chili's, and then uh, Maggiano's Little Italy restaurants. This is one of my favorite companies. They've got they're going much more upscale, making a lot of money in the process. Stock's up in this town in 25% for the year, despite people paying no attention to it at all. All the restaurant love goes to Darden and Kramer Fave Chipotle, where we had, I had a great bowl today. It was really sensational. The stealth nature of the move makes no sense for me, because CEO Kevin Hockman is a total winner with a good strategy that's getting great, and it will only get better as the food costs go down. And that is already happening. Labor getting cheaper, easier to keep managers, which is doing, which is really helping Brinker. Don't overlook it. Hey, speaking of well-run, how about considering Signa Jewelers, which is doing so many good things under CEO Jenna Drosos, by the way, Georgia Bulldog, which is now means she's an Eagle fan. She has a terrific direct-to-consumer business and an excellent house of brands. It's a little puzzling, I find, that the stock's down about 4% for the year. 
And at 65, it's well off his $83 peak. I bet she has a good story to tell, as she did at that analyst day where she came here not that long ago. Here's an interesting one, Vail Resorts. Now, my wife, Lisa, recently came back from a skiing trip at the Vail Resorts, which had an, the company only had an okay quarter. She had a great time. I think it's a bargain trip. I saw the bills. It goes right along with the rest of the travel and leisure theme that's, that's rocketed higher today. American Express and Marriott led the charge. It's tough to value Vail Resorts. Sells the 33 times earnings, 3.3% yield. Not to mention strong management. But you know what it is? It's part of that, that theme I keep telling you about. We are all long on money. But we're short on time. That's what we realized post-COVID, and people are going to Vail Resorts. Now, what else? This market always seems to stay negative on the premium COVID plays, no matter how far the pandemic gets in the rearview mirror. The only thing worse than a pure COVID play is an ancillary COVID play, like Zoom or the one we hear from Thursday, DocuSign. I use it today. I love it. It's kind of like it looks like Jim Cramer, you know. Well, you know, you know how it works. This company changed how we buy real estate forever. But unfortunately, the stock has stumbled as they now face real competition and struggle to do good, to put up good numbers. I think DocuSign is still too close to its post-COVID hangover to touch. Thursday, also, we got an analyst meeting, PayPal. Uh, I don't know how it's going to come out. But ever since July of 2021, it's been all downhill for this company. I don't know what can turn it around as it's now facing a ton of competition. The best I can say is it's probably too late to short it, but I don't want to be a buyer. Friday, uh, we're going to go back into that world of China again. People are going to be talking about Neo, Neo, the Chinese car that's allegedly taking it to Tesla in its home market. All I know is that if China follows up in its attempts to re-stimulate the economy, as you heard last night, this one will pop, but then you have to... Bottom line, after this week, we'll just be hearing endless chatter about what the Fed will be doing. My take, I think they'll still tighten another one or two times, but almost definitely not at next meeting. Either way, for club members, here's what I'm saying. We are not going to overstay our bullish welcome mat because others are stopping on it. Just when we saw and predicted that the market would go from narrow to broad. And when that happens and everybody's in your boat, it's time to say goodbye. Alex in Kentucky. Alex. Hey, Jim. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Same. Um, so I've been really interested in the uh, in following Spirit Airlines and kind of JetBlue and seeing what's going on with all that. Uh, yeah. With that, I was just curious what your thoughts are with all the recent kind of developments. The only ones I really like, I like Delta and I like United. Um, and I don't want to get in this group that heavily now because we're pretty late in the uh, in this travel and leisure trend. It's still working, but I don't want to overstay in the railroads. I'd rather you overstay in the Marriott's and I, I'd rather overstay in the restaurants. Let's go to Michael in Texas. Michael. Hey, Jim, big fan. Uh, love CNBC. Love your show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Love the uh, network. I wanted to ask your opinion about uh, Lockheed Martin. They have a strong presence in the defense industry. Uh, they've had some great contract wins, uh, but they've been some big government budget cuts. I want to see uh, what's your take on uh, LNP. I think Jim Taklet uh, is bankable. He's the CEO. I think we're now through the debt ceiling issues. I think at 460, it's, it's going dead. It's down 6%. I think it can kick up quickly, be up. Well, I think you can catch 10% move here in Lockheed. That's how those stocks traded last time in 2012. Once we saw the writing on the wall, boom, bingo. Yes. Tony in Washington. Tony. Mr. Kramer, a big Gonzaga Bulldog booyah to you from Spokane, Washington. Well, I can only say good things. That's it. Zags, love. Love the Zags. So I've been very fortunate to be along the large cap tech names that have seen big run-ups recently to the AI craze. 
I'm wondering if right now is a good time to skim some profits off the top of those and reinvest them in one of the laggards in my por- portfolio, um, and that would be Dutch Bros, which is down recently. On All right, here's what I'm going to say. Josh has to stop growing so fast. He's going to hurt the company. If you were here right now, I'd say, listen, I don't know coffee like you do. I don't even know the Annihilator, although I love to drink it, but I know stocks. Stop the overexpansion. You're hurting the franchise. Protect the franchise. All right now, the debt ceiling drama is over with. The focus will turn to the Fed. And I think they will take a wait-and-see approach with the rate hike cuts. But remember, everybody's joining the bullish party, so you know what you have to do when that happens. Sell, sell, sell. On Man Money tonight, as the inflation picture adjusts, many investors are fleeing the defensive stocks like the packaged food place. Tonight, I'm sitting down with the CEO of Hostess. Yes, Twinkie. Find out how to position yourself in the current environment, and it's damn, well, it's darn good. Plus, now that we've heard from nearly all the cybersecurity outfits, I'm offering my key takeaways from the ports. But first, Biohaven is flying higher after its R&D. It's up, uh, R&D, it's up 40% just in the past week. I'm sitting down with the CEO to find out if the stock can continue its move. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features, like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most. Plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Brought to you by Eden Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eden Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at EdenVance.com slash CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at EatonVance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. What is happening? 
with the new Biohaven, a stock that suddenly exploded higher that's been a big favorite of ours. Last year, Pfizer bought out the old Biohaven Pharmaceuticals for nearly $12 billion in cash. But a very weird deal, because Pfizer only wanted Biohaven's game-changing migraine drugs and related products, not the rest of the pipeline. So in addition to a boatload of cash, shareholders in the old Biohaven also got shares in new Biohaven, and that retained everything that Pfizer didn't want. This new version of Biohaven is much more speculative than the old one. Most of their pipeline drugs are still in the early stages. Some are focused on opaque indications or end markets that we simply don't know much about. But when Biohaven held the R&D Day event this week, the stock soared, ending the week up roughly 40%. Clearly, the professional money managers like what they heard. So now I want you to get the same story with Dr. Vlad George. He's the chairman and CEO of Biohaven. Dr. George, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you having me here. And I have to say, we have been busy since the sale to Pfizer over the last few months. We now have 10 programs over seven platforms from early stage to late stage. And yesterday we just announced filing a new drug application with the FDA. Okay, so tell me what that product's for, because it's the one that's a little hard for me to understand, but I'm sure it's a terrible thing you're trying to you're trying to conquer. Yes, for this indication, it's called spinal cerebellar ataxia, or SCA. It's a genetic disorder that's ultra rare, and it affects a part of your brain called the cerebellum, which is the back part of your brain. Yes. It's involved in coordination and walking, and it starts to deteriorate, and it's a progressive disease, and over time, people die uh, after becoming wheelchair-bound. And our drug, Trorilizole, showed data that it decreased the progression of this illness and also reduced the number of falls for patients, which is very important for people who suffer from this disease. Well, that is sensational. Now, does that have anything to do with what you're working on with Parkinson's? It's a different mechanism different than Different mechanism. Okay. Yes. So, because, um, you know, some of these indications are, are, that's a narrow one. Yes. But I'm sure it costs the system a fortune, so you'll be able to, get a big price for it, but it will still be cheaper for the system than if, they, if people just had the treatment that doesn't work that well. And there's absolutely no treatment available for oh, these patients. No, really? They have no options. And when you look at other companies, there's nothing even in the pipeline. So we're excited to bring this forward for people with ataxia. And you mentioned the Parkinson's program. We're just as excited about that as well, because that's a big indication. And we are harnessing the immune system to try to treat Parkinson's. It's a new approach, and we're excited about but it. the immune system, not the brain, the that, immune that's system. That's right, the immune system. Because everyone's been attacking by the brain. Maybe that's the wrong way to go. That's what we think. We think people are looking at all these plaques that have been forming, but it's actually the immune system that attacks the plaques that cause the neurodegeneration in these diseases. So you've heard of alpha-synuclein, that's yeah. the plaque causing Parkinson's, but we actually think it's the immune system attacking the plaque. And if we can quiet that, we think we can stop does or slow the think like, Does anyone else doing that? There are you? others who are in this new field of neuroimmunology, and they're starting to get focused No, on you know, because I'm involved, and it, I know it, this, it's, it's really amazing what you've been doing. That's amazing. Now, um, now you had a home run with Neurotech, which you wanted to give to Pfizer. Well, everybody did well. And Pfizer's starting to get the word out, which is very good. But you, they didn't want these others. But isn't your stock up big from when you came on in October? It absolutely is up over 180% since I was last on your show in October. Our pipeline has been broadening, and people see the value potential from this pipeline. All right. Now, um, I, I'm going to say this wrong. Myasthenia gravis? Yes. Bad? That's a bad neurologic disorder as well. And it's another example of we're using a different compound to modulate the immune system. You're going to see a theme, I think, in brain disorder research in the next few years of focusing on the immune system. 
Our drug that um, is potential for myasthenia gravis is a small molecule degrader. It degrades part of the immune system that's causing the problem in that disease, and we're excited about bringing that forward and as well. really anything for RA, because even the one, you know, we know that the drugs in RA are the most successful drugs, but they don't have big success. That's right. And what we have to finally do is get at the root cause of these diseases. And we think in RA there are autoantibodies that are causing the destruction that gives you the arthritis. And if we can um, degrade that with our small molecule degraders, we think we can bring forward a whole new class of agents in this area. Now, when you say we, I mean, how big is your company now? So we have 250 employees. We kept out of the about 1,200, uh, the commercial team went over to Pfizer. We kept the R&D team that brought Nurtech and Zavspread to market. It's that R&D team that's going to deliver these new therapies. Ten programs. Ten, any one of these that hits. Doc, they'd be very big, wouldn't they? This, we think, can change the paradigm in multiple disease states and create value for patients and investors. Now, I, I just wanted just a little word about Nurtech. Nur- look, I'm the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation. I ran the, uh, the Brain Foundation Gala. And I have to tell you, the man I'm talking to is a real doctor, a real scientist, and understood that we could not, and I tried so hard to get the word out from Nurtech. No matter what we did, you needed a giant sales team to sell that drug. Absolutely. We needed Pfizer's sales team, and they can reach the billion people, Jim, across the world who suffer from migraine. And this is a paradigm-shifting medication that gets people back to normal within an hour. Yep. Well, for me, it's 15 minutes. I know when the rains come or when I'm about to have my end of my aim. The only reason I'm saying that, it's not his current company. But you need to know the background of what this man has accomplished because it is remarkable how many lives you have saved and how many hours of lives that you have saved with that revolutionary drug. Then I tell you, Doc, I still don't see people taking, and it's just crazy. Well, we have to still get the word out on Nurtech, but what we did for patients and migraine and Nurtech, we want to do the same thing with other brain disorders. That's what we're passionate about, and that's what drives us at BioAven. I said it was speculative in October, but I knew it was real, and I can't. I always want people to understand these. a lot of these are very early drugs, but uh, Vlad Church is the real deal, and he's saved a lot of people, and I think he's going to do it again. Vlad, thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Thank you. Man, money's back Coming up, is tech defense the best way for you to play offense? A roundup of cybersecurity companies that could guard your capital. Next. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgard, Fgard Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgard.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise. Dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees, Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, 
Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference. Pursue your dreams of business ownership and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Not every company that disappoints is a bellwether for its industry. So you have to ta- avoid taking your cue from the worst of breed operators. For example, back in late April, a cybersecurity company called Tenable turned in a dud of a quarter with discouraging guidance, and the stock plunged 19% a single session. Because Tenable is one of the first cybersecurity outfits to report, a lot of people therefore assumed this was an industry-wide problem, and the whole group sold off, thinking something must really be bad lurking out there. But now, roughly six weeks later, we've heard from nearly all the cybersecurity players, and they paint a pretty darn different picture. While there are a bunch of big losers, there are still plenty of giant winners. Basically, this is a moment where we're separating the wheat from the chaff. And we know who's good and who's not. A couple days after Tenable reported, we got another dispiriting quarter, but this one from Cloudflare. Kramer Fave, content delivery network with a cybersecurity kicker. While the actual quarter was good, management sales forecast for the current quarter was reviewed as grim. They talked about increasing macroeconomic uncertainty, lengthening their sales cycles, meaning it's harder for them to close deals, but they're making doing real well in the cash flow department. But the stock plummeted 21% in response. I thought it was an overreaction. A week later, we spoke to Cloudflare CEO Matthew Prince. He said something that stuck with us. He told us about how Cloudflare was struggling now because of, in part, inherently shorter cycles. Those are sales cycles. And he warned us that other cloud software plays with longer cycles will ultimately experience the same issues, except it'll take another quarter or two to play out. At the same time, Prince sounded a lot more confident than we expected after the beating the stock had taken, saying that Cloudflare would still be able to land new business. It just might take longer. I hope you took him seriously because the stock has surged 60% since that one interview. It's now well above where it was trading before the quarter was reported. Now, on May 8th, we got a positive pre-announcement from Zscaler, sent the stock up 20%. Turns out the quarter was going much better than they thought, and they also raised their full-year forecast substantially. The stock hasn't looked back since, climbing all the way from just under 90 before the pre-announcement to the 140s as of today. Last night, we finally got the full report from Zscaler, and they even managed to beat the already raised estimates pretty substantially. Raised full-year guidance across the board, too. No wonder the stock shot up another 5% today. We've also gotten solid results from an applications performance monitoring space, which is cybersecurity adjacent, because these companies often help you catch hackers early. Think Datadog, which reported a great quarter in early May. It's up 50% since then. How about Splunk, which continues to thrive under the relatively new CEO, Gary Steele, up more than 6% as reported nine days ago. These are both data-related, and the value of data has suddenly gone up, in a world where companies need vast data sets, they can feed into training models for the artificial intelligence applications. Now to my faith. More recently, last week, we heard from Palo Alto Networks. That's the cybersecurity kingpin that we own for the charitable trust. And Palo Alto, it did not disappoint. It turned in the type of flawless, beaten, raised quarter we've come to expect from this company. And the stocks rallied about 15% this end. A lot of that was helped, by the way, some people who were saying it wasn't going to be a good quarter actually spreading that nonsense. Now, we spoke to CEO Nikesh Rora later that night, and he said something interesting. He explained the customers don't want a bunch of one-off cybersecurity solutions from multiple different vendors. He told you they want a single platform, so everything's consolidated around the best-of-breed operators, and that very much includes Palo Alto. 
He pointed out that this is what Salesforce already did with customer relations management software, and now the process is happening in cybersecurity, with Palo Alto playing a similar role to Salesforce. Now, this continues to be one of the best stories in the industry, and I'm sure they'll be stuck with it for the investing club. I think the $66 billion company is headed to $100 billion, and Nikesh Arora is going to get us there. He is the best in the biz, and Palo Alto stock has done incredibly well for my travel trust. Finally, this week, we heard from a few more cybersecurity companies, but now Wall Street's no longer like them when it sees. On Wednesday night, we got results from CrowdStrike. That's Cloud Native uh, Network Security Play. Honestly, this one did, was a little bit of a mystery to me. CrowdStrike delivered a nice top and bottom line beat, as always. Issued good guidance for the current quarter. Raised a four-year forecast, but totally clean. Yet the stock initially dropped 13% in after hours trading. Although it finished yesterday's session down just 2, 2%. Still, I can't see any reason for it to really go down much more from here at least, unless short sellers were spreading impossibly high whisper numbers to raise the bar ahead of the quarter, which caused the disappointment in the first place. Either way, I didn't see anything in the results that or in our interview with CEO George Kurtz, whom I really like, that made me less enthusiastic about CrowdStrike. I think you're getting a nice chance to buy it into weakness, especially if the stock hit again today. Could be like the others. Could be like Cloudflare. Unfortunately, there is no way, no way I can put the house of pain. A positive spin on these other two cybersecurity plays we're about to mention. One is an old-time favorite of mine, Okta. That's identity management. And then there's Sentinel-1, Sentinel which is another cloud-based network security play, one that came public as part of the ill-fated IPO class of 2021. Why don't we start with Okta? Their headline numbers are mostly pretty good. Sales and earnings beat. Good guidance for the current quarter. Raised full-year forecast. But Wall Street chose to focus on some other metrics that, frankly, were not so hot, like deferred revenue, remaining performance, remaining performance uh, obligation, RPO, an industry metric that measures the amount of book business they still haven't done. Both of those metrics missed expectations. Okta also got hit with two downgrades. The general sense is that they're seeing a big slowdown, and it's starting to show up in the line to indicate future business. Didn't help that Octa stock came into the quarter way too high, which is one reason why it tumbled nearly 18% yesterday. <laughs> and let's get to the, the toughest one, Sentinel One. It was just plain ugly. A first quarter miss, putrid guidance for the second quarter, deep cuts to their full year forecast. Previously, management was talking about 47% annual recurring revenue. Now they cut that forecast to the mid 30s. The whole thing was flat out awful. Plus, unlike most of the other cybersecurity plays I've mentioned, Sentinel One is deeply unprofitable. Remember, this is one of those companies that came public in 2021, and very few of those were any good at all. Given the lack of earnings, it's tough to make a valuation argument for this one, even after the stock lost 35% of its value today. With so many genuinely good cybersecurity plays, why would you go bottom fishing in the absolute worst one? Now, let me give you the bottom line on this important group. We've heard from nearly all the cybersecurity outfits. It's clear the big sell-off at the beginning of the earnings season was a mistake because there wasn't much reason to take your cue from Tenable's lousy results. Things have gotten tougher in the industry, but that's leading to some bifurcation in the space. They don't all trade together anymore. And you want to stick with the winners like Palo Alto or Zscaler or the losers that didn't deserve to get hit so so hard like Cloudflare or CrowdStrike. Other than that, forget about it. And remember, Palo Alto is covered fully as part of the CMEC Investing Club. It's been a big winner, and I think there's much more ahead. Colin in California. Colin. Hi, Jim. It's uh, Colin from Santa Barbara. Longtime viewer. Oh, Uh, man, I was just out there. On uh, C3AI. 
Uh, we're curious on your opinion. Where to go after the CEO's interview this week and uh, the recent lawsuit and their, their competition with Meta? No, I don't, I don't want you in that. Um, I, I, there are so many good ones. I mean, you could be at NVIDIA. Uh, I look, I like Tom Siebel. I've known him for tw- 25 years. But I just think that that, that had very bad guidance. It did not have a good quarter. Let's stay away. Let's stick with the, with the best ones. Uh, I, I, I have to tell you, I, it, that's going to be still NVIDIA. Thank you for the call. I love being in Santa Barbara just last week. How about Trey in Texas? Trey, bring it. Jim, if you Jim, if you were to ask me how successful I am at investing, I'd tell you I drive a nice car, but I wash it myself. I need a real winner so I can stop wasting capital on turtle wax and Bayer back and body. And I think SoFi might be able to afford me a monthly detail. What do you think? Okay. I had last week we went out to Santa Barbara. And I interviewed Tony Noto, Anthony Noto. I looked him right in the eye. I said, look, I've known you for years and years. The stock was like at four and change. I said, is, are you, is this going to do it or not? Are you going to do it? Well, you know what? It's at seven bucks. It's already up to it. It's not done. Student loans coming back. He's got the right idea about keeping the loans in the book. I am with Anthony Noto, as I have been since 1998. All right. We're seeing a separation among the winners and the losers in cybersecurity. And I want you to stick with the winners, okay? And get rid of so, the so, losers. So. And the winners is winners that made that up for That's a made up word. It's Palo Alto Networks with the cash roar. All right, much more made up money ahead with my sit down with Hostess Brands. How could the interest rate environmental uh, impact and potential profits? Not that much, but it tastes good. Then I'm offering my take on Apple ahead of its Worldwide Developers Conference next week. And of course, Captain Fire, your calls, Friday edition, Lightning Round, StableCraft. Many investors have fled from defensive stocks like the packaged food place because these are recession plays that they're less worried about. A recession, uh, the Fed's almost done raising rates. But even in this environment, some of the food stocks have powered higher. Take one of my absolute favorites when we first had them on, Hostess Brands. That's a parent company of Hostess, but this Wortman, Dolly, Big Texas, Cloverdale, Bakery, Loyal Place, it's up 17% for the year. I think it's part of a broader bull market in snacking. Because apparently Twinkies never go out of style, or day parts for that matter. It doesn't hurt that Hostess reported a rock solid quarter a month ago. So can it keep going higher? Let's check in with Hostess Brands President and CEO Andy Callahan, a favor of the show, to get a better read and where his company's headed. Mr. Callahan, welcome back to Bad Money. Jim, always good to be here. All right, well, they got this national donut statement. I don't mind donuts. You got the donuts. But I, I'm going to accuse you of something right in here, right now. I don't believe these have zero sugar. I've now had a full bag of them today, and I feel fat. Is it really, really zero sugar? They're really zero sugar. Not possible. And they're also the leading zero sugar in the cookie category, and that sub-segment's growing twice the rate of total cookies. I believe it. All my life, I've waited for something like this where it's guilt-free. I down seven of them. It's less than 100 about 100 cows. They're fantastic. You were putting out. Okay, so we got this guy, Ben. He's my researcher, Ben Stoto. Yeah. Three of these today. Can you tell us about these things? So Casbars is our latest innovation. We just launched this early this year. It's off to a rock and start. Our customers love it. More importantly, our consumers love it. So we're reimagining cake into a broader $65 billion snacking market. And the way you do that is you reimagine the way consumers intersect snacks. And you bring them baked goods, which they universally love, and put it in a form, a bar, that they also love, 
So combine cake, bar, layers, make an indulgent, and really off to a great well, start. You, Innovation's the lifeblood of consumer in, packaged goods. You're innovating all over the whole place because yeah. this, I fold it up. Yeah. And then I had them again like three hours later. You know, it's the same. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them used to be like, it's like a saltine. It's like, well, that's the end of that. I got to throw it away. Yeah. No. This is all your stuff. So we had zero sugar. We have it in a tray pack, which is now in an easy open pack. Yeah. We put it in a bag so it's more shareable. Uh, so the, the innovation team's doing a great I job. I get up. Feel good. Now, all right, we all played a quiz today. We had to figure out what are the five targeted occasions for snacking. They're all true. Morning all sweet true. start, lunchbox, afternoon reward, but we go for that today. Yeah. Immediate consumption. That's when I get home, frankly. Yeah. Then afternoon sharing. I mean... You wrecked our day and you made our day. What can I say? Yeah. Well, that's one of the beauties about being in indulgent snacks. It's growing the most of food. Right. All right. There's this mindset that, oh, the healthy snacks versus indulgent snacks. The reality is consumers do both. Almost three, uh, almost half of the the U.S. snacks more than three times a day. Absolutely. And, and so so they, they do everything. And we're bringing them uh, the products that they love to be able to do it. Well, look, the work from home thing. I'm jealous of because I got to yeah. come in here every day. But one thing I'm most jealous of is at 2 o'clock, little grace. I mean, with the baby bunts. Man, yeah. don't get me started about those ones. I mean, you, gave, you brought in some stuff over time that are just unbelievable. But I have, to, I have to hand it to you. Everyone told me that this was dead, that you could never make any money off yeah. them. Um, your gross margins are almost back to the peak, even though you have a lot of stuff that went up in price. Yeah. It's obvious that you're advertising correctly because people are getting at the right spot. You even must see exactly what part of the day they really are eating. Yeah. And it's really come together for you. As you said, it would much lower when you first came on the show. I did. You know, one of the strengths of our business is the ubiquity of our availability. Yeah. So we're in immediate consumption. We're in the grocery store. And as consumers went through COVID, they spend more time at their home. And when they're more time at their home, they're snacking more and they're driving more. Both are good for our business and snacking. They've got used to these accessible indulgent snacks are good. I got to hand it to my team, though. They really invest in product quality. So well, we, have a, we, have a, we don't have a forever shelf life, but we do have a, thank this God. window of shelf where the product is really good and we spend a lot of time on it. Well, there are other guys who do donuts. And I got to tell you, I love a good donut. But after 8 o'clock, done, 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 done. This stuff all day. Now, I mean, like people like come in when they're driving home, right? I mean, if they're just That's hanging right. out the house, it's a Friday. People don't work on right. Friday anymore, right? I mean, what are your Friday numbers like? They must be off the chart. Friday's really good. When, when consumers are going through the uh, convenience store, they're getting gas, or getting ready for the weekend, they, they go inside, and we call it inside sales in the industry, and they buy snacks. And even when gas prices are going up, typically their frequency goes up, but they're not filling sure. the tanks all the way. They go in. If they're going to cut some dollars, they'll probably cut it in the beverage first, but even keep their snacks. So, so we really have availability and access in multiple economies. Well, and one of the points that you raise in your, in your you know, you're an incredibly transparent guy in conference schools. Um, this is something you actually teach your kids about. I've taught my kids about this. I said, let me tell you, when I was younger, this is what I ate. And they're like, dad, you're cool. Yeah. Well, the Caspars is today's cool. Yeah. It, it's, to, it's today's kids' snacks. They're going to be talking about, like you and I talk about Twinkies. And Arkadelphia, what's that like? So Arkadelphia is our newest bakery. It's going to be our greenest bakery. It's coming online in, the, in Q4, and it's going to expand our capacity on cake and donuts by about 20%. You're going to take our whole country. And we need the capacity. The timing's perfect. The board approved that we're, ready, we're going to be ready to go. And, and I bet that. you I know who wants it. I bet you Walmart wants it. 
Yeah, well, Walmart's a great customer. So we, get, we get great relationships with customers. You'll see that we just came so through our big reset. Big stacks of your stuff. As soon as they're going to Walmart, we're just like taking them and putting them in. Put right. them right in the court. You know, they're a ter- terrific partner of us. Our partnerships with all of our customers is really important. We invest in a lot of the data, not just in the front end with innovation and supply chain. I mean, uh, innovation, but also on the supply chain. During COVID, we made it a point to continue to innovate and continue to service our customers, and that's paying off for us now. Well, you have done a terrific job. You've done everything you said you would do and more, and darn it, does your stuff taste good all day, not uh, 8 o'clock, you know, from 4 to 8. If you need, done. If you need an indulgent snack, we're there for you. Oh, <laughs> you are too much. <laughs> I, National Donut Day. Man, it's National Donut Day. We consider every day Donut Day. Done your donut way. Day. Andy Callahan, President CEO of Hostess Brands, TWNK. I joke, but this has been an amazing stock, and it's the best of the snack food category. Man, mine's back into a break. Coming up, what's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skeet Daddy? Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Ron in Utah. Ron. Ron, go ahead. You're up. Hey, hi, Jim. Ron, Sandy, Utah. Thank Utah, you. Utah, booyahs to you, Mr. Kramer. Absolutely. Thanks for all you do for little Thank people. You. Thank you. Your advice on a mid-cap medical device company here located in Utah here. Their major product lines are oncology, critical care, and cardiology, all growing areas with a strong kit and OEM business. All of this is worldwide. Normally, Jim, they beat their estimates. They don't overpromise. Okay. They don't under- uh, they're earning at an earning per share. Uh, yes, share growth rate about 11%. Okay. Problem, 7.5. What do you think? And which one is it? I'm sorry. Merit Medical. M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-
first-time caller, long-time listener. My question is, is this AI boom the real deal or a classic sucker's rally before we head into a recession? And if so, how do you fancy the stock Sound, pound, AI. No, I haven't. I had the app. I don't think the company's worth what it's selling for. I do not want you to buy the stock. I think it's a meme stock, frankly. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. Nick. Jimbo, booyah. Booyah. Albert, you should have changed it. You should have never changed your dog's name. I think I have a stock you'll like. Hi, Devin, you and a quality that you look for. They make money Monday through Sunday. What are your thoughts on energy transfer? I think energy transfer has gone from a loser to a winner. They've done a lot of good growth things. Um, they have a very good yield. I did not trust the company because I thought they were too acquisitive. Not anymore. I think it's a Let's go to Matt in Wisconsin. Matt. Hey, Jim. Been watching the show since I bought my first stock in college. Dow well, Chemical yeah. in 2005. Yes. That's what I wanted. That's why I missed that old college tour. Trying to bring it back. What's going on? There we go. Uh, asking for your opinion on LNG, Shanir. I like Shanir, but I'm going, to tr- I'm going to trump that with New Fortress Energy. That is that Wes Eden's company that we had earlier this week that I really like. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. two stocks where I tell you to own them, don't trade them. Tonight I need to talk about the original, Apple. On Monday, Apple's expected to reveal a virtual reality or augmented reality headset, not just the usual software updates we expect from their annual Worldwide Developers Conference. As is almost always the case, I predict that those who trade Apple, who bought the stock today in hopes of making a killing when the news hits Monday, will be disappointed. If Apple does reveal the Reality Pro, which is technically a mixed reality product, I understand it will feature a price point well in excess of an iPhone, something that does concern me because these headsets haven't been a big winner for anyone. Of course, I know from interviewing Eddie Q, Apple's senior vice president of services last week, that Apple doesn't put out anything unless lots of people at the company try it and like it. Q told us that they say no to so many more projects than they say yes to. I simply don't believe they'll release something that would obviously be unpopular. What can I say? I trust their judgment. I think Apple's earned that. But even if it's genuinely good, the stock already has run up dramatically in anticipation of this conference, which does limit your upside. You should know that. That's why I always tell you trading Apple's a mugs game. You get into it for a short-term trade, something disappoints, and then you dump it. You lose money. If you get into Apple and the device is great, believe me, you only got a small rally. That's why I don't bother with the short-term trades with Apple. I discourage them. You need to take a long-term approach when you're trying to make money in Apple because over time, this thing just chugs steadily higher. In the process, tons of people have spooked themselves out of the suck over short-term concerns and worries, costing them hundreds of billions of dollars in lost upside. That's been my position for more than 10 years. Remember why I like Apple so much. They're a tech company with the highest customer satisfaction rate of any company in the world. That means when they put something out, it's loved. It also means you can stop a value on Apple on their customer basis because there's probably a lifetime value of each customer, well in excess of what the stock trades for. More importantly, Apple still has plenty of room to grow its user base, maybe by another billion people, as countries like India, Brazil, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam build out their 5G networks. I think China should be considered, of course, in the mix, although Apple's already got a big footprint there. If anything, though, can't get bigger. 
So if you think that you can make money on the new Apple product reveal, history says that you will probably not do so. You know what that reminds me of? The traders who faded, faded sell, sell, sell. the stock of NVIDIA after its revelation that it can make $4 billion more in sales than analysts were, analysts were expecting. And that's in the next quarter alone. Biggest guide up I've ever seen in my 42 years of trading. If you follow me regularly, you know NVIDIA is the only other stock that gets my own it, don't trade it seal of approval. Thank you, Jensen Ma. I told you to stick with it, and that was right, because the stock keeps roaring. Look, I totally understand the desire to ring the register on Big Slug NVIDIA. I'm never going to get mad at anybody who takes a profit, okay? But the odds say that it's the wrong idea, because the rally's based not on valuation, but on future valuation. NVIDIA has a habit of way overachieving. So in a couple of years, I think you and I will look back and realize, you know what? The stock was so expensive, and yet it turned out to be not expensive at all. That's what we've been seeing time and time again, and I bet it happens one more time, which means you shouldn't trade in and out of NVIDIA. You should stick with it. These kinds of moves signal that there's much more firepower behind it. So just hold on. Hold on to NVIDIA. Hold on to Apple. Don't try to trade them. I think you'll probably regret it. There are plenty of other stocks you can sell huge slugs of after trades, but very few that stay as good investments as Apple and NVIDIA over time. I'd like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next week when I hope to find my voice. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.